0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line as always is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, normally I toss this over to you, but I want to take <laughs> a second to just let our listeners out there know that if you are losing in Streets of New capena you are not alone. Holy crap. And I know bad beat stories like nobody wants to hear them. I have been getting savaged every which way possible in this format. And it is so frustrating because I feel like I understand the format very well. It's Mm -hmm. just there's not much wiggle room. And at Mythic Best of One, you just play really good decks all the time. And it just feels like a slot machine to me like I'm putting my quarter in and seeing like did I hit sevens great did my opponent hit sevens okay now who wins the coin flip like since we both hit sevens I don't know this format is driving me crazy I have not felt this poorly about playing magic since grinding a mythic with bot drafts in guilds of Ravnica like it, it is bad
1: Wow. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I haven't, I don't think I've disliked a set this much since Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, but that really harkens back for you. Like, that's what, three years, three plus years?
0: It is, yeah. It has been a long time since I felt like I just feel badly about playing Magic. I feel badly about myself because I'm not winning. <laughs> like, it is yeah. just a deep. Spiral of badness. And like on top of that, I'm jealous of people that are doing well. And I know people are doing well. Like that's what's in my head, like, is that it can't all be luck, right? Like there has to be something I'm missing. Like, and I'm sure some of it is that I'm tilted and other things like that. But I just want you to know if you're out there and you're like me and you're losing a bunch. I'm there with you, and we're going to figure it out. I want to dig a little deeper because I, I, as
1: folks know, I I did get to Mythic. Um, I do that every month, but I I usually do that off stream, and I am really not a huge fan of Best of One. I've been a lot happier since switching to Best of Three, and I know there's Whatever, the best of one versus the best of three conversation is not one I'm super interested in, you know, but best of three is real magic, but best of <laughs> one, you play against like better players, but the best of one draft cues are softer than the best of three cues. But then you play against people with like 52 card decks in best of three, like I just that, that back and forth is not super interesting to me. Um, <laughs> but I am curious because you were having so much success at the beginning of the format. And I want to latch onto that thing that you just said, which was, it's not all luck. And so that's, you know, I loved our 23rd episode, Making Your Own Luck. I love that sentiment of like, look, if you dig through everything and you come up with, hey, it's all variance. great. Then you're doing everything. You know, this game is has a ton of variants built into it. So you're doing everything in your control to, you know, improve your win rate, set yourself up for success, et cetera. Do you, have you started to dig in a little bit, you know, through the tilt and through the, the bad beats of like, hey, maybe I'm not doing X. Like, I mean, maybe it's as simple as maybe you're not forcing brokers as much as you should be. Are you not pivoting as much as you should be? Do you feel like it's just you know, luck of the draw type thing? Have you sort of dug into any of that? Yes. Believe you me, I have done a lot of self-reflecting uh, over the past week or two. That Beyond just like, I'm terrible. I yes. hate myself. Like beyond that. Okay, good, yes, good, I good, have
0: good. done. I've <laughs> done a lot of that. done a lot of self-flagellating, but I've also done a lot of self-reflecting. Boy, um, have I got
1: a company for you. Check out betterhealth.com. <laughs> we will be talking about them later. Okay, go ahead,
0: Ben. Hashtag sponsored. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, seriously, I I have done a lot of reflecting. I think one, I'm mulliganing more aggressively in best of one. Like I just you cannot stumble in this format in best mm-hmm. of one at, you know, the diamond mythic ranks, whatever, like the the games are just too condensed and there's too many ways for your opponent to leverage being ahead if you fall behind. So I think I've been mulliganing more aggressively. I have been trying to figure out what i'm doing in gameplay like i i notice small mistakes here and there but Mm -hmm. the clip i'm losing at with decks that look good like i know what the good decks look like right like i see trophy decks in the discord i see people that are very good like ncaa carl post their decks on twitter and my decks look largely the same as theirs you know what i mean like literally to the point in this losing streak where like i lose two cards that are in my deck like i just haven't drawn those cards like my Uh opponent draws two of their inspiring overseers and i draw none of my three things like that you know so i do know some of it is bad luck but it's got to be compounded into more things and i have been trying to play tighter and make better mulligan decisions still losing while trying to do that Which is sure. why I'm starting to lose my sanity, but I have been doing doing reflecting. The small gameplay mistakes. Do
1: you have a sense of? And I'm not doing this to have you like put a spotlight on the things that you feel like are you're lacking in your game, but more as a, a you know per, perhaps for folks out there who are also struggling and also feeling lost in this format, something some tools for them to self reflect and maybe dig into their game logs, game replays, etc. Like, do you have a sense of what those small mistakes are that sort of feel like they snowball or compound? I think I have
0: been misusing Make Disappear. I think I finally started to kind of understand that. Like that I need to try harder than I want to to leave up Make Disappear. Because it's actually, I keep feeling like, well, this is terrible if I leave up two mana and my opponent does nothing. But your opponent's always going to do something because the games are so condensed. So like giving myself permission to pass with Make Disappear up even though I could have developed the board. You know what I mean? Like, because that is so against every fiber of my being, like to hold up a counterspell like that instead of playing a two drop or a three drop. And that's how like you nab your opponent's inspiring overseer on turn three. But I'm so loathe to do that. And I keep ending games with like, well, my make disappear was terrible. And then the answer is, well, duh, I never held up mana for make disappear, you know, like, yeah, so the benefit you get is passing, holding it up. And then you're ahead after you counter their three drop, and you're in the driver's seat. So trying to like, figure out how I can have agency over swinging the tempo in my favor. That's a really I I, look, I just knew it. I knew if I was gonna (laughs) tee
1: you up, you were gonna give us a little bit of gold. And I think that I just want to add a little bit on to the make disappear of it all is that I think it's important to note, What kind of deck you're playing against. And so you, you like the thing about Make Disappear that is so good is that it allows you to one for one with things that are two for ones once they hit the board. And so if you recognize, oh, I'm playing against someone. I'm playing against a broker's opponent. So on turn three, getting to nab their inspiring overseer or even their jewel thief to be able to stop them from ramping out or whatever, that's going to be important. Against your maestros or black-based opponents, I find that the four-drop slot is the choke point because if I get to one-for-one with a blitzed girder goons, then I can maybe have a chance. But if they stick that, then they're going to be ahead.
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree. So I've been trying to think like that a little bit more and I was not doing that as much. And I was very conscious of like, okay, I need to not fall behind. But like, how do you do that in the gameplay? And there there are small edges like that that I need to get better at, I think. Oof man, you love to hear a Ben Wernie gameplay level
1: up format, even though it seems to be torturing him. It is um, terrible. <laughs> Let me
0: yeah, tell you. I'm, uh,
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going through it, buddy. I also I mean, I'm, I'm actually last week having a bit more fun with the format. I tweeted that I felt like best of three, I think in the draft queues at least has caught up to white being so good and brokers being so good that it feels like it has opened up other things. Now, that's not to say that Brokers isn't a deck I'm interested in drafting or isn't a deck that I have found myself navigating into, but I've been sort of soft, avoiding white a little bit. And then when it's open, I'm going to go into it. um, But sort of, you know, I've had those drafts, you know, as I talked about last week, those starts of like white card, white card, and then white green card or white blue card and going like, eh, you know, I Think I don't think this is open. I'm going to move off of it. I've also had the reverse happen where I started off with like a diabolist into something else, and then I went civil servant, civil servant, civil servant. I was like, okay, well, I <laughs> right. guess I'm going to do I'm <laughs> going to do this instead of the the maestro's deck that I could get. So both sides exist, and I found that at least now it doesn't feel like go in and brute force something. It's felt a little bit more open. Um, but uh, but yeah, I definitely feel that for sure in terms of this format just getting a little stale and not you know not offering the things that you and I I think. really Really like to do in a limited format that's out for uh i don't know
0: three more months <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be baldur's gate this summer fingers crossed that that is sweet and i i also switched over to best of three i think i'm gonna take a vacation there and see how it goes and i i promptly you know on the subject of the format just not delivering what we want i instantly got the nuts brokers deck and mm-hmm. trophied like quite easily and then also drafted brokers again and ran into a very tough opponent and lost so not like this is not the best of three a soft anecdote It's just that the broker's deck I had wasn't fun to play because I played that same deck like 50 times already this format, maybe not that much, 30 times or whatever, but it's the exact same play pattern. It's like, I play civil servant, I play another citizen, I give my civil servant lifelink, my opponent's behind, I win. Like, it's just not (laughs) interesting. And again, I know there's more to it than that, like that's selling the format a little short, but... It's not selling the format that short. <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling as well. But
1: like we have said in the past, and like we're going to say again today, that's not what we're going to focus on. I think it's good to like clear the air, get uh, get a little, uh, get that, that trophy monkey off your back, whatever, get a little catharsis. But we're going to be talking about brokers for sure, because we really haven't had a chance to touch on, hey, this is the best deck. This is why it's the best deck and also how to combat it. So we're going to be taking sides against the family this week and talking about all that good stuff. Let's get some housekeeping things out of the way, and then we'll dive into the episode. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. The show is always free, but we have a lot of great perks as you move up the reward tiers on Patreon. Access to the Discord, access to the show, early access, access to our, our draft logs and deck picks, access to a private section of the Discord, and even access to monthly coaching sessions with me and Ben if you go all the way up to the reward tiers. And of course, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold the first week that they join. This week, we are welcoming Allison, Evan, Russ, Tom, Kaiku, Leon, Wilson, Andrew, David, and Lincoln.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Seriously. Cannot say thank you enough to our patrons. Show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball, ChannelFireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. We talk about CFB Pro, you, me, Alex, writing articles every week. They have now compiled a hashtag CFB Pro library that's like a searchable database of all the old articles. How do you feel about being eternalized in the CFB Pro library, Ethan?
1: I love it. I remember, I think this idea was pitched we had like a content creator zoom meeting for cfb a few months ago and i think i forget who pitched this idea but when it came out i was like "Ooh, that's a really good like as a user i would love that and that's very exciting and i hadn't even considered until you just said that i perhaps have and becoming
0: channel fireball canon at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just wrote a really cool article about how to save streets of nuka <laughs>
1: I think what do you think are we going to see a rebalanced limited format at some point in the next few years with the like you know the advent of alchemy and rebalancing cards for standard there's got to be right and yeah. Watsi
0: if you're listening Ethan and I want to consult
1: Yeah look we are hey hey well I see here's the thing I want to be able to consult but I don't want to stop doing pod and the stream you know so i don't want to go like full Watsy, where we can't do that stuff you know right just
0: a little hashtag independent contractor get some dollar dues and fix limited we'll save limited and we get to talk about how we save limited how great exactly that sound? sounds back, good to me <laughs> but back to cfb make sure you use code lol at checkout to let them know that we sent you over there they would really appreciate your subscription to cfb pro they would appreciate you buying singles buying sealed product and we want them to know that we sent you over there. So use code LOL at checkout.
1: Um, I basically, I already touched on this. It's just a, it's a few format updates here. Um, first of all is that idea of white being a little bit more contested in best of three. And I've been trying to navigate my way into starting base black a lot because that gives me outs to be blue, black or red, black, which are both decks that I'm very comfortable drafting and playing um, that I feel like do have legs. And obviously, when white is open, I'm going to move in and pounce on it. But um, just just giving myself outs when I'm in those pods where it feels like four or five other people know what's up with brokers. And then I go, okay, Fine, I'll I'll let you all fight over it and I'll reap the benefits elsewhere. I have had some fun decks with some cool card interactions. I still haven't quite gotten Vampire Scrivener to work. I think it needed to be common (laughs) probably, but uh, it's just it's just hard. Like every time I it's hard that like that is uncommon and Tavern Swindler is uncommon. And then like, yeah, you can use the cutthroat, whatever it's called, the one drop in black that you can pay a life for. But I think there is like there's a black white Vampire Scrivener deck that I am going to draft at some point in this format i just don't know when
0: it um, is not good though right no no not
1: at all <laughs> okay just wanted to just wanted to make sure no we we're getting good. that out there to the listeners. i mean like what, what do you mean by good good in terms of your win rate no can't be can't be good um i have faced and assembled myself Angel of Suffering plus Mr. Orfeo the Boulder. So Angel of Suffering is the five three mythic flyer that says when you take damage instead you mill twice that many cards. And then Mr. Orfeo doubling uh the Angel's power, that's a pretty quick clock in the air getting uh getting two hits with a ten power flyer. Yeah, that sounds pretty spicy. Um, I got to draft bootlegger stash the other day with stimulus package, getting those infinite or not infinite, but basically infinite, all your lands making treasures and then your treasures turning into one ones. And I really want to do the one shot thing that I faced on uh, on early access day with pyre Sledge, arsonist and bootlegger stash. So that, that's on my bucket list as well.
0: Yes, I think bootlegger stash is probably a no pass card, just if you're wanting to have fun. That is probably the most fun you could have in the format as a bootlegger stash deck. Yeah, I mean, if green is cut,
1: you're gonna. I mean, obviously because it's a green card, but if sort of like if your your pod is trying to draft some kind of riveteers thing, then move off of it, run, flee, because you don't want to fight with people for that deck. But if it is open, then like you're probably going to find a package or a Pyre Sledge Arsonist. And it's also quite good with mirrors fixers, like, et cetera. So I, I, I do agree. I think it's a fun card that has enough outlets in the format that it's pretty good. And then the last thing that has impressed me, that it's a card that I've written off quite a bit um, until recently, which is Scuttling Butler. That's the three-mana artifact. It's a 4-1. And at the beginning of your combat step, if you have two or more multicolored creatures, it gets Double Strike until end of turn. I always forget that the citizen tokens are green-white, and so this actually is pretty darn good in green-white decks, I have found, or decks that make citizen tokens. It's really not hard to turn this on. I mean, what's it called? Rakish Revelers, the red-green-white, the cabaretti Family Fixer, um, That brings in two multicolored bodies by itself um, so I found that it's not that difficult to enable this in those kinds of decks and it's a real problem like sure they can chump it if they've got one ones of their
0: own but then you just throw a ceremonial groundbreaker on it and win Easy Yeah, that one actually is piquing my curiosity. The rest of this list, I looked at this list in the show (laughs) notes, and my reaction was like, this would just get steamrolled in any best of one game that I've played recently. Like, this is just not playable cards (laughs) on this list. But yeah, certainly some fun things to do here. And Sculling Butler actually does sound pretty real. Yeah, I do think that's pretty real. I I
1: faced it enough times that I was like, this is really kind of hard to deal with. I mean, obviously, you can just removal kills it like it dies to a sneeze. But... Not a lot of removal in the format, and I do think uh, I do think it's pretty real. All right, let's uh, let's dive into this episode here. So by now, Ben, everyone knows that brokers is the best deck in Streets of New Capanna, right? So we don't need to like do a whole episode on oh here's the brokers deck and here's what you want to do. Like everybody knows, and I think even some metagame shifts have started to so trickle down in at least best of three. But I think it's important to talk about if we're going to talk about how to combat this deck, to explore what it does so well, so that we know what we need to do with other strategies to beat it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, if you look at 17lands.com, or if you're just drafting and facing cards, you recognize that it has access to all of the top performing commons. Obviously, Inspiring Overseer is busted, but here are the top game-in-hand win rate commons in the set. Inspiring Overseer, Jewel Thief, Rafine's Informant, Make Disappear, gathering throng a lull at brokers hideout being on this list that's the (laughs) that's the brokers land the the brokers evolving wilds then civil servant celestial regulator girder goons and echo inspector
0: but some of brokers hideout has to be like if you have brokers hideouts you probably have disciplined duelists and other things right yes (laughs) yes
1: yes yes. well it's just like if you have brokers hideouts you're probably in brokers and if you're probably in brokers you're probably winning
0: yeah 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 it's wild that only one of those cards in girder goons is not in either blue white or green white
1: yeah and specifically white and blue have the lion's share of these cards right i mean sure there's civil servant and and jewel thief but the rest of these are white blue and so i think like that's why starting white or blue is so strong it leaves you out to the best commons the best colors and the best family decks yes absolutely 100 of the top 10 uncommons in the format eight of them belong in this deck you've got disciplined duelist psychic pickpocket mage's attendant sleep with the fishes lagrella the magpie exotic pets out of the way and fairy vandal all of these are coming in at a 59.8 percent game and hand win rate or above so basically 60 percent or above which is very very good i'm getting
0: stressed out listening to you read this list of cards (laughs) these are just you're just like having this is nightmare fuel for ben here it's like no
1: not these cards again um (laughs) Okay, so those are the top performing cards. Now let's take a look at the five mechanics in the format. Connive, Casualty, Blitz, Alliance, and Shield Counters. Of these, in Limited, Connive and Shield Counters are the strongest by far, I would say.
0: Yes, absolutely. The Shield Counters in particular are very difficult to interact with cleanly. Like you have to have answers in your deck to them and you have to draw your answer when your opponent draws their shield counter creature like their discipline duelist or like their dapper shield mate yeah i mean e- even a card like dapper Shieldmate, which i would say is one of the
1: worst of the shield counter cards even that card is still pretty darn good like shield counters sure sometimes you just like deal gone bad it or whatever and we'll talk about the ways to combat the shield counters in the format At the very least, you're like, well, I won for one, whatever. Like, but most of the time, it's just a real headache for your opponent to deal with.
0: Yes. And connive, which is just an absurdly powerful mechanic for limited, gives you hand smoothing to dig for spells or lands depending on what you need it makes it so that your brokers decks never stumble while also playing all the best cards and helping you find all the best cards and it synergizes with all the other good cards like celestial regulator or exotic pets things like that that care about you having plus one plus one counters uh i would say a big thing and you're talking about you just can't
1: afford to stumble you're mulliganing more aggressively i'm just like so i, I was talking about this last week like ptsd of about two drops the two drops are at a premium in the format, and we've talked about this before, but they're largely tied up in the big four, right? Civil Servant, Jet Mirror's Fixer, Snooping Newsy, and Body Dropper. And Civil Servant is miles better than the other two drops and snowballs very quickly. The the, the snowballing about the lifelink is very true. And the three toughness is so huge. It makes it so there's only a few two drops in the format that can effectively trade with this. But the the problem is the lifelink on Civil Servant, right? I, I don't agree. See, I think if it had two toughness, sure, it gets in for this. I wrote about this in my rebalancing article, but I think I agree that lifelink is a problem, but if it was a 3 2 lifelink when it attacked and tapped a citizen, fine. You gain three life, I trade with it. Uh, for me, the problem is most of my two drops can't trade with this. And so it gets in two
0: hits? That seems ridiculous. Sure, that's fine. But it would also be compatible as a 3 3 because you could race it, right? If it just were, or could get pumped up and not gain lifelink. You could just race it as a 3-3. But the crazy thing is that Jetmere's Fixer is a good magic card, right? Yes, yes. But just garbage in this format because of how oppressive Civil Servant is. Well, yeah, I
1: think there's a couple things about Jetmere's Fixer. You know, you think on face, or I've I've, I've had this experience where I'm like, oh, threat of activation, so that's good. So it it sort of has that, that great attack the way Civil Servant does. Except threat of activation is different than... No, then actually activating <laughs> right, so civil, and servant, Life Link. civil servant gets to activate and get lifelink for no mana or Jetmere's fixer is like, I could be a 3-3 three, three, and your opponent's like, okay, but I don't want it to be. And you go, cool, me either. <laughs> Take two. Like it's, a, it's different. And then I think backed up by the fact that red green is so weak. Red is so weak in the format. Um, white is so strong and white green is so good. Yes, but that's not helping you win in the format. But I
0: do think it's interesting.
1: Yes, I, I agree. Uh, Gathering Throng is a phenomenal card as a catch them all source of card advantage with relevant types. So it just checks all these boxes. And you can get in a spot in the draft where like, you're the only person who wants them and ending up with three or four of them. Some decks just like fold to it. Like I talked about, I think Red Green has a really hard time
0: dealing with like three Gathering Throngs. Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the more oppressive things about the format, at least that I've been feeling recently, is that Brokers gets all these good threats, right? Like they get the civil servants, they get these other creatures, but they also just get insanely good ways to press their advantage that they start out with in tricks like Majestic Metamorphosis, which is the two blue make your thing a 4-4 four, four, flyer draw a card. For the family to be able to win a combat at one mana to give your thing plus two plus two or heaven forbid plus four plus four while still developing your board even revelation of power the one and a white give a creature plus two plus two and then if it had a counter it gets lifelink and flying helps you swing races win combats there's so many things quick draw dagger that just says if you're ahead your opponent is in real danger every time they want to block.
1: Yeah, I mean, blocking is really hard to do in this format, I've found. I mean, I think part of that is lined up with blitz, part of that is lined up with the amount of these combat tricks, but like it does feel, there's just too many things. Like a lot of times your opponent attacks and you go, okay, well, it feels like it could be like one of two things. In this format, I'm like, this could be one of eight things and there's no way for me to play around any of them effectively.
0: Well, right, and... That is another thing that I have tried to stop doing. You know, we were talking about gameplay and things that you can do when my opponent attacks. If it even looks like a trade that we would both be okay with, I'm not blocking. (laughs) like I just am not blocking unless I have instant speed interaction up, because when you block into these tricks, you fall behind and then it's really hard. There's just not a lot of catch up cards in the format ways to swing the tempo back in your favor. So mm-hmm. I think you need to be prepared for your opponent to use a trick, have instant speed interaction up, and then try to win that way. I just wrote a whole CFB article on it about how to play defense as opposed to blocking. Ooh, I love that. Can't wait yeah. to see that
1: one. Uh, and the last point I have on this list about why brokers is so good is it gets the best family fixer in sparring adjudicators, a.k.a. Bergstrider. And I, I think I should probably take a second to talk about I, – I think I missed pretty hard – on the family fixers in terms of my I thought these were going to be way too slow yada yada sparring adjudicators is, is obviously great but I think most of them are are you know good to find save for the, the seraph. the angel I think is a little too expensive but even that when it hits the battlefield as a 4-4 flyer that gains you three it does feel like something like it stabilizes you sometimes it's hard to deal with it can just be a real threat sometimes I think I think I missed pretty hard on these fixers
0: I agree with everything you just said, except the angel. I feel a huge sense of relief when my opponent exiles that that seraph on turn three, turn four whatever. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree
1: with that. But then if the game does go long, which maybe it doesn't go long enough in, uh, in best of one. But when the game does go long, I don't love that they get to cast it. But then I guess they're flooding a little bit. I don't know. I, I agree. I think the angel is firmly in last place.
0: Yes, but the others are all totally serviceable. And sparring adjudicators is just actively good so this deck gets access to the best commons
1: the best uncommons the best mechanics and some of the best like pieces of cycles so how do we beat it seems pretty tough but we're gonna take an ad break and we'll be back to tell you how that cliffhanger though this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling
0: helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. I have definitely experienced burnout and all of that, especially prior to this year when I was really largely unhappy in my, my day job, as it were, as a band director. just hadn't really found the right fit at a school, so the school date was really draining for me as an introvert, as a teacher, just, and that's still true, even though I'm very happy with my current job, but then doing that on top of coming home to the podcast and streaming, I had a real work life imbalance and probably still do to a certain extent, but (laughs) I'm, I'm much happier in my current job and very happy with my life right now. But I've been very burnt out leading up to this year, due to all of those factors coming together constantly, for sure. I mean, we associate burnout with work, but that's not the only
1: cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. We at Lords of Limited believe that therapy is a part of a healthy, normal
0: lifestyle, and BetterHelp provides that service in a stress-free way. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Lords of Limited listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com lords. That's betterhelp.com slash lords. And now, back to the show.
1: All right, Ben. So, how do you beat them? How do you beat brokers? I think... The first thing for me is if you can't beat them, join them, right? Like we should just be trying to draft brokers if we can.
0: Yes, I think most drafts you should be dipping your toe into the white waters, seeing if you think white is open. And honestly, these days I do agree. I've been feeling that white is more contested as well. I honestly prefer to dip my toe into blue first and like try to get deep into blue because I think that gives you the best options to pivot into either Obscura or Maestro's, which I think are the next best families behind brokers. And it still feels weird talking about them in terms of families. But blue lets you be either base blue, white or base blue, black, which is yeah. both very good places to be, in my opinion. I totally agree. The reason that I've been uh, favoring starting black
1: is not because I think, you know, red, black and black, blue are better than blue, white. They're not. But I, you know, if but part of my reasoning for biasing towards black is to avoid white. And so, if I start base blue, I feel like I have to sort of lean more towards blue black than blue white. Um, but uh, but I definitely hear that for sure. I think I think white's the best color, and then blue firmly in second place
0: for sure. Yeah, I think my. Two cents for blue black or or just starting blue and then dipping your toe into white. Sometimes you do get hooked up and you get a play blue white. I, yeah. But also if you're blue-black and you get a random inspiring overseer, you're much more able to splash it, which I do mm-hmm. think is very powerful.
1: I totally agree with that. There's a, a sense I've had and I've gotten some feedback on stream about this where it feels a little bit like drafting like multicolored good stuff decks from formats of the past where in packs one and you sort of have to trust the process in packs one and two you pick up your fixing you have a good curve and then pack three is really where you reap the benefits of hey people are opening bombs that they can't play and those bombs are going to make their way to my seat or those great uncommons are going to make their way to my seat feels a little similar here of like Sometimes you kind of just want to hold on for dear life to white a little bit. To then go, okay, yeah, I know, like, yeah, I've got an inspiring overs here. I only have a few other real good pulls into this, but I'm just gonna hold on and make sure I can cut it from both sides as best I can and then impact three fingers crossed that it comes together. Yeah, I mean, those drafts don't feel great, but, no, you, they don't. but you,
0: you can do it, I think. Yeah.
1: So talking about starting out in black, where does that lead you towards going in the format to combat? the broker's decks when it's not open.
0: I mean, I think you're either going into black, red or blue, black. Those are your two options when you start out Mm. black, right? And I think the the weird thing about that is they're on polar ends of the spectrum, right? Red, black is a hyper-focused, aggressive deck. And I think blue, black is the best base for a control deck in the format. And I think blue-black
1: is a lot more inclined to play red cards or or play white cards, whereas when I'm base red-black because of that hyper-aggression, I'm a lot less interested, even a card as good as like Maestro's Diabolus, the one for Death Touch Haste that makes a devil that's attacking if you don't have a devil, I'm much less inclined to splash in the my best red-black decks. I just want to blitz them out, you know? Yes, I
0: completely agree. I mean, if you have the fixing, sure, but you're less inclined to pick up fixing. I think if you're starting out face red, black as well, like you're more streamlined. The closer you are to red black, and you're much more willing to splash and flit around and do other things when you're base blue black. So Maestros does have access to, I think, the best ways to combat the things that Brokers does
1: well. So the first thing is shield counters. And I think this is where black really shines. And it's one of the reasons that I've just struggled to see how red green can deal with uh, shield counters the best. You know, you get access to Nightclubber, you get access to Rafine Silencer deal gone bad and whack all ways to answer shield counters cleanly in the format and sometimes even flip the script and it's a two for one in your favor right your nightclubber takes out their swooping protector
0: by blitzing and then you get to draw a card as well yes and you get call on a professional from red if you're a base red black deck i think the shield counter thing is tough and you've got to make sure if you're playing red black or blue black that you can deal with shield counters creatures because those are the best tools that brokers has to brick wall your aggression right because if you're red black you're trying to get underneath them and you're trying to stick a strangle on their civil servant and that's Mm -hmm. how you beat brokers as red black
1: yeah i totally agree with that i have found myself and this may be a bit of a hot take i think that deal gone bad is more important than murder in red black decks because of this because of this like you know Brokers gets ways to answer shield counters, right? You have your sleep with the fishes. Yeah, you get your hold for ransom. You get sleep with the officials. You get run out of town. Whatever. You have ways to one for one with shield counters. Black red needs that as well, especially if you're gonna like be able to continue to push damage. I have found that I really want to make sure that I have those kinds of effects in my red black decks. And so, not to say that I don't want to play murder, but I think at the end of the day, if I had a draft where I had one murder and no deal gone bad, I would make that swap if I could. I remember asking you that question during the crash course. <laughs> well, we've, we've come a long way. Do you, do you think by week four, do you still get a point if you're right? I think so. I, I think, think so. You, I, think, I think we'll give you the point. <laughs> um, connive, and I think to a lesser extent, flyers. They're not ways that you really can combat them, but with connive, you get access to it from blue and blacks, right? So you can go toe to toe with the kind of card filtering and creature sizing that your opponent has. And in, in terms of the flying department, you have access to blues flyers as well when
0: you're in maestros. And I think good removal to line up against that. Like Strangle's really good against yes. the non shield counters creatures that brokers yes. place. Like it lines up perfectly against civil servants, against celestial regulators, that sort of thing. Not yeah. so much against inspiring overseer, but I mean, what are we going to do? Few, few things do. Few things do deal with the Inspiring Overs here.
1: And last I would say is, is this three toughness, two drop, and Civil Servant. And I have found myself happily playing multiple copies of Crooked Custodian as three power two drops that can trade. And even sometimes in more controlling uh, blue black decks, Backstreet Bruiser as a similar way to just be like, hey, here's a three power two drop that can block your Civil Servant.
0: Yes, you have to be very controlling before you're willing to put Backstreet Bruiser in your deck, right? Because it's such a disaster if you're putting pressure on the opponent and yes. then you play a Backstreet Bruiser, right? That <laughs> your opponent's like, yes, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's very rare that you have a deck that's set up
1: well enough where that can attack consistently. So I would say just, just especially when you're not in Brokers itself, right, where the counters are mostly located. So I would say Backstreet Bruiser is in there
0: when you're when you're a controlling deck. And then just to take sort of a step back, how and why are you getting? into red black or blue black as opposed to brokers like blue white or white green and i think most commonly to start down that route it would be for rares like hostile takeover or the premium uncommons like corpse appraiser Mm -hmm. and i think another great reason is that you You know, maybe you start blue and then like we talked about, that gives you the chance to pivot blue, black or blue, white. So maybe you're starting blue, you're feeling out white's open, you realize white's cut and then you pivot to blue, black and you can still play some of those white cards like an inspiring overseer or whatever. But I think it's either opening a great card, or you try to draft brokers and brokers isn't open. And I think these are the two next most logical places to go once you realize that. I totally agree. And I just want to zoom out even further to talk about taking a three color card
1: early in a format like this. I think most people probably have this, uh, you know, in their head, but it's so much less restrictive to take a card like Corpse Appraiser in this format than it is in a normal 10 color pair format, because you're really not, you know, limiting your options that much. By taking Corpse Appraiser, you're like, well, I could be blue, black, splash, red. I could be black, red, splash this. Uh, You know, there's some world where you could end up in a like blue, black deck. That's maybe leaning more white, but you can also splash this as well because it's a a card that's fine to play. Sure. You really actually don't want to play it on turn three very often because you're rarely going to be able to get the card advantage off of it. So it's fine to splash this later as well. So taking powerful three color cards like that, like discipline Duelist early, it's really not that restrictive.
0: Well, and it's not that restrictive because there's not many places to go, which is why the format is hot garbage. But again, (laughs) We'll we'll leave that. (laughs) Leave that alone. There you go. There
1: you go. So I I think we'll give you the spotlight in just a second to talk about the maestro's control decks because I think you've had more experience with that. I have had more experience combating brokers and drafting. I think the the blitzy red black decks. I think the key here, honestly, for both decks in my mind specifically, is supporting the two drops of the big four as best you can. So body droppers and snooping newsy. Um, You know, maybe snooping newsy a little less. So we'll talk about that when when we get to blue black. But for body droppers, you just want to. Be in red, black, put your body droppers on the board early, and then blitz, blitz, blitz. If you are signed up for the CFB's newsletter, which is free and you absolutely should be, check out CFB Extra. I wrote a piece about this the past week. I think you basically always want to be blitzing your creatures out. With the exception of Mayhem Patrol and Riveteer's Requisitioner, that's the 1-2 Menace. Give something plus 1 plus 0 when it attacks, and Requisitioner is the uncommon 3-1 when it dies, you make a treasure. Those as just two drops, like sure, if those are my hand, I don't have a better two drop. I'm going to just play them. But even sometimes I will blitz out Mayhem Patrol if I'm like, if my hand is like mountain mountain and I need to find a swamp, I'll just blitz that out, cycle it, deal you two damage, easy peasy. But I am hoping to blitz out everything else, even like Pugnacious Pugilist and Girder Goons when I have five mana. I'm just much happier
0: blitzing them, getting the damage in, getting my creature token, drawing a card. That's assuming that you have body droppers on the battlefield or board presence, otherwise correct? Board
1: presence. Yes, yes, yes. The only times I will play Gerdragoons or Pugilist is when I feel behind and
0: then I'm probably just losing anyway. (laughs) Right. But you can't just like be blitzing things without like two or three, not two or three, one or two creatures that are actually pushing damage every turn, right? Or you're just told your opponent's going to stabilize too easily.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. But I'm just saying like when faced with the choice, like plasma jockey, when faced with the choice of I could cast this or I could blitz this, as long as I have any kind of board presence, I am like 90% plus to blitz it out. Yes. Yes. That checks out. Um, I think you want to be very conscious of trading off your creatures when you have body droppers in play or like. Giving your opponent the opportunity to, you know, block your creature when you're sort of chump attacking with a blitzed creature. Remember that body dropper is only going to grow if you're sacrificing your creatures. So, you know, it may be best for you to blitz it out and then not actually attack. Um, you also want to be aware of how fake your own death interacts with blitz, as well as cheap casualty costs. One of my favorite things to do is nightclubber blitzed and then fake your own death, so that you get to give your opponent's board minus two, minus two until end of turn, which is, you know, a, a mini sweeper there in effect. And I would say involuntary employment, that's the act of treason of the format, is just really strong here. It deals with any threat very effectively. If you've got body droppers and other casualty, but other ways to to sacrifice the creature once you steal it. Um, and that's another way to cleanly deal with uh, shield counters as well.
0: Ooh, yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things, you know, just listening to you rattle down the show notes here. Where you talk about trading off your creatures, that's another place where I've been trying to just be really conscious about like, do I want this trade? Do I actually have to accept this trade if my opponent attacks or can I, you know, not block and then crack on the crack back and try to swing the tempo in my favor? Just what ways are there to leverage the creatures I have on the battlefield to their fullest potential. Totally
1: agree. I think this format really rewards you understanding combat over multiple turns. And so if that's a place where you're lacking, I think reviewing games is really good. You know, if your opponent, this is a great quote from when Ryan Sachs was on our show the first time, I think we talked about drafting aggro. If, you're, if you die at zero life, it's a really good game to review. Because your opponent probably mapped that out over multiple turns. And I think that's a good spot for you to go back and go, huh, could I have done something differently? Could I have seen this as well as they did? That type of deal. I think I think mapping out combat over multiple turns is a real key
0: to this format. All right, moving on to blue-black. I think if you want to, on the other end of the spectrum, rather than trying to get underneath your broker's opponents, if you want to try to take over the late game, it's really common to be base blue-black, either maybe splashing white and being obscure, but more likely splashing red, I think, for the powerful maestro's cards and i think speaking of splashing in these decks it's very common to have a boatload of self mill so like Mm -hmm. a lot of snooping newsies maybe a couple corpse appraisers you know a deal gone bad that you're likely targeting yourself with you have to be worried about only having one mountain if you're playing maestro's cards right you want like actual factual probably three or four or five lands that can get you that splash color
1: Right, or treasures, right, if, you, if you're if you thinking about, okay, well, I get a treasure from, like, let's say you're just splashing hostile takeover. You know, have a mountain, a way to search that up. You want a couple dual lands that touch red too, if you can, and then ideally a couple ways to make treasures as well. But I've definitely, if I don't have those other things... I'm more inclined to not splash if I've got, you know, because you can sometimes get, that's one of the reasons that finding these decks being open is so good. If you can get upwards of three, four, five copies of these two drops, the Body Droppers or the Snooping Newsies, you're in for probably a well-supported deck. Yes, I completely agree, yeah. And I think also just speaking of Snooping Newsies and Multiple Newsies or targeting yourself with Deal Gone Bad... Please, folks, don't be afraid of decking. Don't be afraid of milling your bombs. Like, it's going to happen so rarely. I had a deck with six Snooping Newsies that went 3060. I never decked. Like, sure, I have decked before in this format, but people are way too afraid of like, I've got 15 cards in my library. I'm going to deck. It's just not going to happen.
0: Yes, except I will say the other thing that is my new least favorite thing in this format. Like, why does white get Skycrier with the ability to deck you? Like, why is that a thing? Like, I don't know. I have lost so many games to Sky Cryer decking me when I've been playing. Like, And not because I was going to deck, because Sky Cryer just doesn't need to do that thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, for why, sure.
1: For why, sure. Why does White need more help winning games? And when you're doing the self-mill thing, any kind of uh, value you can get from your graveyard, like Expendable Lackeys, Maestro's Initiate,
0: Tenacious Underdog at Rare, those are really valuable. Yes, super good. I miss Expendable Lackey. I played that card so much in the first two weeks (laughs) of the format, and I just have not had decks that have supported it well lately. Yeah, well, get back on that lackey train. Get back on the lackey train. Deal gone bad also. Just very good way here to enable the five mana values. So like Uh this puts a four in your yard, which like two, three and four mana value are pretty easy. to get. So like one, five and six are the ones that you're really trying to land in the graveyard. But that mill, if you spike, hitting the thing and the other really cool thing about deal gone bad is and there are other cards that do this as well but turning on your snooping newsies at instant speed when you know you're guaranteed to be able to do that Is big game. Like if you're missing a four and deal gone bad doing that at instant speed, it's really powerful. I agree.
1: And I I think that point about like recognizing, okay, it's going to be easy for me to get lands, two drops, three drops and four drops in my yard. Then thinking about the fives like girder goons is great as a five that makes its way to the graveyard easily. Um, Self milling and getting, you know, a crocodile in there or playing the glamorous outlaw in these decks, I think is pretty good. And then obviously your one drops. Lackey doesn't actually count, right, because you're often exiling it. Um, So it's not going to be in your yard for very long. But, you know, hypnotic grifters Ominous parcels slip out the back, etc. Grizzly ritual or Grizzly sigil, rather.
0: Um, all, all those cards are really good, and you need two drops in blue. Yes. I think that is this yes. is the other thing, or just in the format in general. Like you have to play something on turn two in this format. If you don't have a turn two play. I think you're supposed to mulligan in best of one.
1: When are we going to reach the point where we don't even have to emphasize this? I feel like we like every format we're like, and two drops are so important. <laughs> I think eventually that'll become uh the, the way of the world, but it still feels like something that, that needs to be said each set. I mean,
0: it's egregious this set though. Like yeah. it is way more than normal. Yes? It's really important. I agree. Yes. Very, very, very important. Way more than we normally say it is. <laughs> Yeah. But Snoozy is the best of them, I think. Uh, Snooping Newsy, the blue, black, gold common. And then I think closely following that is Make Disappear and Crooked Custodian. I think Make Disappear probably better than the Custodian, but Custodian being a three powered thing to trade with civil servants, as we touched on earlier, is really big game. And I think you're supposed to take those over corrupted court official. How do you feel about that? I think that's really true. Corrupt Court Official,
1: I don't think is very good in blue-black, personally. I think it's a lot better in black-red as sack fodder for body droppers. Um, I, I've been pretty unhappy with it in blue-black, mostly.
0: Okay. And then I think that's a lot better than cards like Backstreet Bruiser, Broker's Veteran, you know, the 3-3 the three three that can attack, the 2-1 that gives a shield counter. Those are definitely tier 2-2 two two drops, but you will play them if you don't get the others. hmm For sure. And I think Wheeling, Snooping Newsies is very real. And I think one of the most common ways I end up blue black. So like and most commonly, you know, you notice one that's in pack three or pack four, and then maybe you see one that's pick seven and you take the one that's pick seven, knowing you might wheel the one from pick three or pick four. And then if you do, you're pretty in on blue black. Like that's a really good way to get into blue black. I totally agree with that. And
1: I think the reason you're getting that one later than than maybe even others, like stuff like Jetmir's Fixer, that's worse, is because people are afraid of self-mill. Really? Huh. Interesting. I think people are just like terrified of
0: that card. (laughs) (laughs) I love Snooping Newsy. I do too. (laughs) And I think it's important to know that like blue black, if you build it right, can get out to very fast starts as well. I think it's very possible if you build your deck right to go you know two drop three drop four drop removal spell and curve out that way also but then you also are set up to play the late game very well absolutely yeah you mean because you get the grind and reanimate packages you get fake your own death pick up the body
1: graveyard shift hey shout out to you buddy graveyard shift after last week i was like huh i'll start playing with this more it's great it's I so I good love this card in blue black yeah well one of my feelings was i was like well i like i'm not getting a mana advantage on this card but like It doesn't really matter. And like like you talked about, especially in blue black, where you're set up to have the five MV thing turn on. I think it's like fine if you just get back a four drop at instant speed and like ambush something or whatever. Like I I like this card quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it's very good. And I think Dust Mangler is one of the best finishers for that deck, which is the five black black five four. And when you cast it, you either have to pay four life, discard a card, or sack a creature. But a lot of times you're reanimating it. Or if you're casting it, it's great for you also. And then your opponent has to do each of those things. They lose lose four life, discard a card, sacrifice a creature. And you just find it so consistently if you get the Snooping Newsies and the Corpse Appraisers to either cast or reanimate. The deck just does what it does so consistently. That is my favorite deck to play in the format as far as gameplay goes. Yeah, and Dusk Mangler, I think, is what kind of makes
1: the deck work because you get this great finisher at uncommon like you don't have to rely on rares for the deck to come together
0: yeah and then i think in terms of blocking if you are looking to block the five toughness blockers in wrecking crew which is the four and a red four five reach trample and glamorous outlaw the family fixture the four five that scries to and deals to and etbs and even to a certain extent sewer crocodile the four six that can become unblockable those do good work at stabilizing the late game against broker's decks. And again, if you play those and your opponent attacks into them, you don't have to block and run into the trick like you can hopefully have enough life to tank the hit, untap and, you know, hold up your runaway together or your deal gone bad and then blow your opponent out. That's something I've been trying to be more patient with as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's true, because you really don't want to be like, here's my five mana, six mana play, and they go cool, attack into it, pay one mana to cast for the family and
0: trade with it. Or even like they have a counter on something, and then four, and then Majestic Metamorphosis trades yeah. with it too, right? Yep, exactly. And I think, you know, we've touched on this, but a good, sweet of efficient removal also goes a long way towards beating brokers. Like you want the murders and the strangles, but you also need the cards that beat the shield counters.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you also need to get card advantage to beat the decks with multiple inspiring overseers, right? Like, I mean, first of all, when I see decks that have like two or three overseers, I'm just like, what? Who did you pay to get those? How did you judge? I need a judge call here. But second, <laughs> so tired. Of that. <laughs> but but second, you need card advantage in that same way, right? You need to find card advantage that isn't just like a four-mana draw to, right? You need ways that that affect the board that give you some card advantage.
0: Yeah. And I think just in general, we've we've talked about blocking. And again, I just wrote a whole article on this for CFB and maybe we turn it into a podcast episode down the road. But I think obviously you want to be ahead in the format, right? You want to be leveraging the for the families of the world. You want to be leveraging the majestic metamorphoses of the world. But you're not always going to be able to do that, even when you're playing brokers and you have those cards in your deck. So rather than thinking about blocking, I would encourage you to try to shift your mentality into playing defense and then like, how can you spin the tempo back In your favor and and a lot of times the most frequent thing is tanking some hits until you can set up favorable blocks where you know you're going to be able to hold up instant speed interaction or maybe instead of blocking you try to turn on your snooping newsies and race with lifelink just thinking of other ways rather than just hoping to trade to try to swing tempo back in your favor
1: well and it compounds as turns progress in terms of hey look be more willing to trade off your two drop or your three drop for a combat trick than you should be to trade off your five drop or your six drop for a combat trick so like earlier in the game i'm like if my my opponent wants to attack in and it's a trade that looks like it's like okay for both of us or okay for me i'll even go ahead and make that block and if they want to use their trick, great, great. Maybe that stops them from progressing their board or they play a less good creature. I'm less interested
0: in doing that later on with my wrecking crew. Well, except if you do it early and they have quick draw dagger, then it's even harder to block like that is one of the more punishing things in the format, right? When you try to trade your three, two with their civil servant and they play quick draw dagger and then it's a three, four, right? Then it's even more of a disaster to block. Yeah, now it's out of range of strangle and deal gone bad and it's it's harder for you to kill it as well. Yeah, but it, anyway, I think th- trying to think along those lines, and again, I clearly don't have all the answers here because I, all I am doing is losing <laughs> games of Streets of Nuka Pena. but that, uh. and I also think just whether you're playing Brokers or whether you're playing Maestros or whatever deck you're playing, cards that play offense and defense well are just super premium in the format. Whether that's because they have Lifelink or whether it's Celestial Regulator that like is great at pressing tempo, but also like you can use to defensively tap a thing down for a turn and give you some breathing room without just actually factually blocking. Trying to find those cards and leverage them, I think is important. It's why psychic pickpocket is so good, right? It's a body that presses
1: your advantage when you're on the front foot and helps you stabilize when
0: you're on the back foot. Yeah. And just a couple last things here when you're playing games against the broker's decks. I think one is you've got to know if your opponent is blue-white. They're going to be using flyers and fish tokens to try to close out the game after pushing early damage. So I think a thing that's really important to try to do is to try to limit taking chip damage when possible which again like goes against like maybe you delay blocking for a turn to hold up instant speed interaction and there's there's just a lot of ways brokers puts you in a bind but just know that blue white's going to be trying to do that to close the game out that that is their ultimate plan or you know maybe I think this is where I got myself into a spot of trouble against BK in the team draft showdown was that I knew BK had majestic metamorphoses and I was trying to limit him being able to two-for-one me with those, but then eventually he just put his stuff in the air and killed me, right? Mm. Like, so there's multiple ways to use those type of cards or your green-white opponents are going to be trying to bully you with civil servants and combat tricks. So just know what your opponent's trying to do and how you can make the best decisions to play around all of it. And it's tough because there's a lot of things to play around in the format. If you get behind, it's really hard.
1: If I'm on the back foot against, especially against these like brokers decks, it's so funny. I find myself never looking at their life total. Like once I feel like I'm out of the woods and I'm stable, then I go, Oh, they're at 35. Interesting. Okay. Uh, got to, got to figure out how I'm going to beat that. But it's so often that I'm just like looking at my own life total, trying to figure out, okay, don't die. Like how much can I have? Can I afford to take this hit of four from this discipline duelist? What if they have a, trick
0: can i afford to take eight from the discipline duelist etc yeah yeah you really don't care about your opponent's life total when they're playing brokers unless you're also playing brokers but if you're a control deck if you're maestros like you're just trying to get the game under control
1: yeah. I mean, similarly, if you're if you're trying to race them with a red black deck, you you are looking at their life total and mapping that out. But, you know, and then God forbid they don't have any uh, life gain, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at this roundtable that you've brought us. And I, we're going to do something a little differently. Obviously, we'll have this for folks to check out where uh, you download the show if you want to play along. But we're going to actually start this in the m- beginning of pack two. So what's happened in this draft up to this point, Ben?
0: So started off with a a pack one, pick one, discipline duelist that was a pretty clear pick, followed by a corpse appraiser, which was, again, a pretty clear pick out of a weak pack, and then got a Rafine silencer, got a Rafine's informant, and just kind of like towed the line between okay maybe i'm brokers and maybe i'm maestros like and not a super strange draft like i've been in drafts like this before where you know you've got a to toe in brokers and you've got a to toe in abandoning ship on brokers in case yeah. white is totally cut but this really was like okay i could either be maestros or i could be brokers at the end of pack one and had you know great starts to both decks
1: when i'm in this spot myself or when I'm in a coaching session and see the student in a spot like this, I try I feel like it's hard to to parse through. Like you're like, well, I got cards of like five different colors. What am I supposed to do? I think it's really important to go. What's like your best card? And your best card here is Discipline Duelist, and then followed by Corpse Appraiser. So you do have this little split of, you know, Duelist, Civil Servant, Rafine's Informant is a great little core for Brokers. You've got Corpse Appraiser, Body Dropper, Rafine Silencer as a great little core for Maestros. So you really are split down the middle here.
0: Yes, and a Custodian, like I have two drops in both things. Like that's usually the mitigating factor for what ultimately mm-hmm. is The tipping point for deciding, at least for me, for which family I'm going down is, okay, I finally have enough two drops here. That's critical mass. I've got to just commit to these as my base colors, but I do have two drops in both decks right now as well yeah for sure and it wasn't
1: like there was a clear like okay you took broker's cards picks one through five then it dried up and Meisters was open you were getting them throughout pack one so there
0: isn't really much to to glean from that either so pack two pick one armed with that knowledge you sit down and you see the following cards as options We've got Rafine's Informant, 1 in a white for the 2-1, When an ETB's connives. There's Murder, 1 black, black, destroy target creature. There's Out of the Way, 3 and a blue for an instant. Spell costs 2 less to cast if it targets a green permanent. Return target non-land permanent opponent controls to its owner's hand and you draw a card. And then you're in my favorite, Graveyard Shift, 4 in a black sorcery. <laughs> Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Has flash as long as there are 5 or more mana values among cards in your graveyard. And then a couple lands in the Obscura Family Fetch and Tramway Station, which is the red-black allied duel.
1: Well, the great thing about where you're at in terms of having a toe in Brokers, having a toe in Maestro's, is you literally just get to take the best card out of this pack, right? No matter what is in this pack, whatever the best card is, you get to take. Unless it's like really weak, then you probably tiebreaker it to Brokers if you can. But here I would just take Raphine's Informant.
0: Yes, I agree. This is best card of the pack. We're still trying to feel out whether we are Brokers or Maestros. This is another premium two drop that's going to set us up to be a great, hopefully base green-white deck playing Discipline Duelist. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to pack two, pick two after grabbing that Rafin's Informant. See the following cards as options. Again, like tough pack here. There's uh, the same lands. Exactly. Obscure storefront and tramway station. There's a snoozy blue black for the two, two and ETBs you mill to as long as there are five or more mana value cards. In your graveyard, it gets plus one plus one and lifelink. There's a hold for ransom, one in a white enchant creature, enchanted creature can't attack or block, and has seven. Hold for ransom's controller sacrifices and draws a card. Activate this only as a sorcery. And there's some good black removal spells in Deal Gone Bad, the minus three minus three, and Whack, the uncommon minus four minus four that gets cheaper if it targets a white creature.
1: Yeah, I am on Deal Gone Bad greater than Whack uh, initially because instant speed and the self mill. Um, obviously, if you you know get to Whack a, a white creature for one mana, that's very very good. But um, I have liked Deal Gone Bad a bit more. I think you know I'm generally loath to take lands before I know what my colors are, but I think you could make a case for obscure storefront here because this pack is kind of weak. And storefront, you know, if you're brokers, storefront gets white blue. If you're maestros, storefront gets blue black. So I think you could make a case for it here. You could take hold for ransom. I mean, you're you're happy to play one of those in, in a brokers deck. You've now got the the second Rafines informant, so you're certainly leaning more towards white. And I'm not super interested in taking like snooping newsy here because it's awkward given that you've got a body dropper already. So if you were to go maestros, you know, you can't play both of those in the same deck, ideally. And like, there's not something that's like good enough. Like if there was our girder goons here, then you could make a case for and let's keep towing the line. But I think taking hold
0: for ransom here is fine. Yeah, that's where I ended up. And I think like, again, you could make arguments for a lot of cards. And right now I'm just looking for something to push me down a direction. And I feel like there is a bit of an absence of direction, which is why I'm landing on white cards, because I, I would ideally like to be brokers if I can. Well, and you're more likely to see, right, because Discipline
1: Duelist, Legrela the Magpie, whatever, you're more likely to see powerful cards in brokers than you are in Maestros. Yes, 100%. So, so I think when, when you've got that, when you're like, and eh, what's the toss up here? Like, I think that's why this draft is so interesting, because you're going into pack two, we've all had this experience of like, I've got my toe dipped into these two different decks. If you're not seeing anything clear, I think you want to bias towards the white decks because you're, like we talked about, what deck has access to the top commons? What deck has access to the top uncommons? It's brokers. So you want to bias towards brokers unless you're seeing I mean, like, you know, you get past hostile takeover or whatever. Then that might push you elsewhere.
0: Yes, 100%. So speaking of being pushed into things, pack two, pick three. See the following cards as options. There's a for the family green instant target creature gets plus two plus two or plus four plus four. If you control four more creatures, there's celestial regulator one blue white for the two three flying when it ETBs choose target creature. You don't control and tap it. You control a creature with a counter on it. The chosen creature doesn't untap during its controllers untap step and then corpse appraiser in the uncommon slot. Blue, black, red for the 3-3 when ETBs exile up to one target creature from a graveyard. If you do, look at the top three cards of your library, put one into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. This is so tough. I think it's... So this is
1: quickly becomes between Corpse Appraiser as the best card in the pack versus Celestial Regulator, which is worse, but backs up the picks you've made this pack of Rafine's Informant and Hold for Ransom. And specifically, having Double Informant plus Discipline Duelist makes Celestial Regulator really appealing. Sometimes this is just three mana, two, three, flyer, tap a thing. But you've already got three things with counters, so it really could be three mana, two, three,
0: keep a thing tapped. Yeah, I don't know. Looking at this pick, I kind of want to take Celestial <laughs> Regulator now. Which is I know, Because right? I took I took Corpse Appraiser. So just for full context, Pack 1 went Broker's Card, Maestro's Card, Black Card, White Card in Rafine's Informant, Green White Card in Civil Servant into no white or green custodian body dropper so the cricket custodian and the body dropper were picked six and seven after the civil servant and rafine's informant and then land land disdainful stroke wield a civic gardener in a pack with an obscure storefront still there gotta fake your own death late like so i did get the black red cards later than the green white cards but i don't know is civic gardener like something to feel like my god pick 11 like it's it's fine right no, that is juicy. Pick 11. What? Are you what? Like a Civic Gardener? I love that card. Why? It's a two drop. It untaps Lingans, It lets you double so- spell potentially. It just is a... It's a what's the word? It's a citizen for civil servant. It just does a lot of small things when you need two drops.
1: Okay, I thought for a second you were just gonna read the text of the card to me about why it was good, but then you you you, you broke out of there. <laughs> I got you there. Broke out. You <laughs> got there. You got there. Yeah, this, this, I mean this is really interesting, and I sort of jumped ahead a little bit to look. I was like, what ha- what would happen if you took Celestial Regulator here? And you do have a path. I mean, I think it's interesting to talk about what happens next for you. You're super happy when you take Corpse Appraiser. What happens? Pack two, pick four, I think makes you really happy and really solidifies what you're going to do. But you could make a different path in this draft for sure.
0: Yeah, there's definitely two paths. So you can either take Celestial Regulator and stay brokers. I took Corpse Appraiser and then immediately got hooked up with Dust Mangler, the five, four payoff, as well as getting two graveyard shifts this pack and just got to play the maestro is reanimate dust mangler life, which is mm-hmm. really fun to play. Um, but I actually think the right pick looking at that pick is Celestial regulator looking at it now and just knowing how much, I value Celestial Regulator. I value Celestial Regulator higher now than I did in this draft, like whatever, four or five days ago.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think the interesting thing here as well with taking Corpse Appraiser is you just passed Snooping Newsy, and then there's a Snooping Newsy in the same pack as the Dusk Mangler pick four, and you
0: wheel both of them. Right, which is a super benefit to... Drafting maestros when people aren't fighting over it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we've talked about this before, and I think it's true here. Like, you just have to know what you're doing or like what your path is. And I think this is the spot where you want to be making your decision, right? Like, you can't keep waffling as the draft progresses, right? You can't, I don't know, it's just hard for you to go Corpse Appraiser, Dusk Mangler, and then take. A broker's card again right you kind of once you take the dusk mangler here i think that's saying all right hell or high water this is the deck i'm drafting
0: yes and i think even the corpse appraiser versus celestial regulator pick right before that is probably even more like once you take one or the other you're likely doing the thing i mean i guess you could waffle a little bit more but and i do think waffling is fine earlier right while you're trying to feel it out because you get so rewarded if you choose correctly, as Indiana Jones would say, choose wisely. <laughs> very nicely, very nice.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, it's different. Like I know, I don't know. We're going deep in the weeds here, but I think it's important. If, if following the corpse appraiser, let's say in that dusk mangler pack, there's a civil servant. I think you could still go back and waffle yes. back, right? Yes. For a card yeah. like civil servant, or yeah. if you saw a Rafine's informant, or obviously an overseer. Like I do think you have room to still bob and weave. But I think for for me, I look at this draft. I think. Corpse Praiser still feels like you're feeling it out. Dusk Mangler feels like, all right, this is the deck I'm drafting.
0: Right. And then after that, you there were lots of two drops you could wheel. And I'm sure I was clocking all of that as I was going. It's just so weird jumping into drafts. They're like a week later or something than they yes. happen. Yeah. Yes. But I think those are the types of things you should be paying attention to. Like, you know, we talk about noticing a lot of times it's for catch-em-alls like noting gathering throngs or Mm -hmm. back in the day like noting the cats like when you had the eight cat deck or whatever in (laughs) War of the Spark yeah Good times, but I think the cards I'm paying attention to are two drops. Like I could wheel a snooping newsy, I could wheel a crooked custodian, I could wheel a whatever. Like two drops are the things I'm I'm hoping to wheel in packs and noticing when they do or don't.
1: And especially, I mean, not civil servant, but I think the other three. I think newsy, body dropper, and Jet Mirror's fixer are all. I mean, Jet Mirror's fixer is not great, and you don't want to end up base red green a lot, but they're all important to note because when they wheel that means that color pairs open and when they don't wheel that means someone else is doing that thing or at least attempting to do that thing and you don't want to compete with someone else for those decks
0: unless they're brokers right you're more right that's willing why that's why i said brokers uh, oh the other three yes yes i left, yes, I left sorry. civil servant off God. i'll listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth <laughs> i appreciate that
1: well <laughs> lucky you the episode's over so
0: <laughs> all right yeah i think great place to send us out there on that note <laughs> Any, any thoughts before we go, actually, seriously, about the format? No, I was really excited
1: to record this episode. I, I think this is feels like the next phase for the set to me of like identifying the best deck and why it's the best deck. Identifying the strategies that can compete for the best deck and why they can compete or how they can compete. And then seeing how those things are going to pop up for you in draft so that you can go down those paths, seeing how to build the decks, what are the important components? And then I think thinking about gameplay and, and maybe we'll dive deeper on those thoughts about you know combat down the road, figure out how to maybe do a, a different version of a what's the play episode. I think you know even though you and I are not having the most fun with this format, I do definitely think there's gonna be some learning opportunities for us and then for us to share those with our listeners in the coming weeks.
0: Amen. All right, great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com
1: for sponsoring our podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got
0: any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. blown up i know yeah school day baby that i'm oh. illegally skipping Wait, i thought you said this was like your schedule yeah yeah i mean i'm, probably, I'm probably supposed to technically be in the building still i mean like i'm not supposed to be sitting at home recording a podcast <laughs> got a good outtake there huh i uh, sure did <laughs> sure, just get,
1: get that done early